Hello and happy Saturday, goblins! Here to talk a little D&D? Maybe learn some player secrets? We'll lay down those weapons, take off that armor. It's time to disengage. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for our latest disengaged episode. I've got Morgan with me today who plays Mulligan on Endless Midnight. Hello, hello. <laughs> um, so first of all, how long have you been playing D&D? So people always look at me funny when I answer this question. It's actually a very recent development. I started really? playing. Yeah, my first game was actually on my birthday, June 24th of 2018 so okay coming up on two years now fifth edition is all i know <laughs> but you've really taken to it <laughs> i have you know i i dove in right in the deep end i started playing uh D al adventures league started watching critical role it just immediately hooked me and i never looked <laughs> back what um do you know what it is that drew you to it Oh, I think it's just, it's such a perfect combination of so many of my interests. Friends like to tease me and call me a bard anyway, because I love writing. <laughs> I love drawing. I try to write music, though it's usually nothing special. And then I also just love really deep narrative storytelling and being able to explore that with a group of people with like-minded interests in a tabletop RPG setting. D&D was my first tabletop RPG. As soon as I tried it, I knew it was for me. <laughs> and again, I've never looked back. <laughs> so have you um, written any campaign settings? I have. I, I do have an ongoing homebrew game in a world that I am still actively building. Um, of course, that game's on hiatus with the current quarantine situation. Mm -hmm. But I've world built for that. I've also got a couple of little one and two shot modules that I've written and hope to explore with some new players relatively soon. <laughs> I, I try, I dabble. Is it ever stressful? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think any, any DM will always reaffirm that there's a certain balance of you can only prepare so much. Right. Some of it has to be improv, but I'm so, I'm always so invested in making sure my players have as good an experience as they can. I try to foresee every element. And of course, with D&D, &D, you, you can can't never foresee know. anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but coming to terms with that has been a little bit stressful, but I always enjoy it. Even the games where I look back and I wish I could have done one thing or two things different. I still had fun in the moment, which is just right. another reason I love D&D. &D. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when you have friends that are, like you said, playing off of each other, um, it's it's funny that, you know, you're going to create this whole world, but they're really going to inform it a lot. I'm sure in ways that you oh, yeah. couldn't have imagined, but like, wow, that's really neat. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, so you've, I believe you met James at dragon con in passing. Yeah. I think we okay. were both in the D and D arena at the same time. Right. So how's, how's you were DMing there, right? Yes. I made the foolish decision of signing up to DM <laughs> over 30 hours of adventuring in that one weekend. And uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was great, but it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> did you um, do it um, for the new players or? Um... Yeah, I did. Well, it's funny. I almost exclusively DM'd the intro adventures, the two hour okay. for beginners. But yeah. then I also ran 
what's called a tier four adventure in Adventurers League, which is character levels 15 through 20. Oh, that's awesome. That was incredible. That was so My first fun. time running something that level is a blast. <laughs> so you really got the spectrum on, on that. That's yeah, cool. <laughs> literally. Yeah, my very first time, um, I guess it wasn't my first time playing D&D, but I, I think it was my real first time in kind of a serious situation, was playing at Dragon Con in 2018. Okay. Um, I played with James for like four hours. Um, yeah. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think this is cool. It's such a welcoming atmosphere there. Everyone that plays at the cons, in my experience at least, is always super welcoming to all experience levels and are just there for the joy of the game, which is a wonderful thing to be part of. Yeah. They were like, here, you want to, you might want to do this. And they're just like, I mean, not not telling me what to do, but trying to help me, which was was very nice. So (laughs) what, what in the world made you say yes? To play Endless Midnight. Uh, Gosh, just, I had to see when James described the setting, you know, a neon Western post-magical apocalypse, synth wave inspired (laughs) atmosphere. I had no idea what to expect and just had to see what he had put together. And of course, I had also played in another game that he runs on Fridays and enjoyed his DM style. And the things he had to say about the other players that were confirmed for Endless Midnight really made it seem like a game I would want to be part of. He knows that I love, again, the narrative-heavy storytelling side of D&D. this definitely is. Right. So it it proved to be a really good fit. (laughs) Yeah, I think he did a really good job creating this uh, whole setting for everybody to to come into. You know, like you said, Neon and Western, and he's throwing all these... these different musical, uh, this music at me. And and I'm like, oh, I can't think I kind of get it. Like, this right. is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much the music has informed the campaign too. I know, I know. Um, so how attached do you get to your characters? Oh, I am. I'm that person. I get really <laughs> attached. I mean, this is a I, trick question because I knew that answer. <laughs> Obviously, I can't give any story spoilers, but I think once people listen through the end of Endless Midnight and hear the emotional reactions, I mean, those are genuine. <laughs> that that comes from attachment to the story and to the characters. And it's been that way with other characters I've played as well. I've got one in a homebrew campaign my roommate runs. I've been playing for almost two years. We've had those sessions where we're yelling at each other across the table about what to do. There's tears <laughs> spilled over character deaths. Um, yeah, I was going to ask if you'd ever had a character die on you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My first character Your got first? thrown off. My very first D&D <laughs> character, yeah. Got thrown off a uh, Kazadum Moria-style bridge by a driver <laughs> into a pit of lava below. <gasps> oh, yeah. harsh. It was an epic death, but it was oh, also yeah. my first character death. And it was, uh, it hit me hard. <laughs> Have you ever um, reused a character in a different campaign or do they kind of always stick in that one setting for you? I ha- There is one that I used to play in AL Adventures a lot, but I had to sort of step away from our local AL scene. And that character, you know, as Glimmerfizz <laughs> Fiddlepop. She ah. is actually a reskin. 
She was originally a grave cleric, but I am now playing oh, her okay. the new D and D Unearthed Arcana Twilight cleric, and really enjoying it, and really enjoying the new direction that that has taken her. Awesome. Yeah, it's really fun to explore the same character, I think, in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just different situations, but like you said, reskinning to see maybe maybe they're just a little more powerful or Mm -hmm. something like that. Is there a particular type, not so much bard or cleric or whatever, but like pompous or exuberant? Like, is there a particular type that you like to play most? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Yes, (laughs) I love playing the angsty anti-hero that grows throughout the campaign oh you mean like um zuko from avatar (laughs) that is a perfect example (laughs) that long-running character i've been playing actually has a lot of unintentional story arc parallels with zuko and uh but i guess that's just because i've noticed that having that sort of underdeveloped immature character to start with Mm -hmm. opens a lot of doors for the experiences that other players help create through the storytelling process right to then shape that character that i'm and shape relationships exactly and i I love being able to draw from all the inspiration around the table no matter what game i'm in (laughs) and that character model fits that opportunity well (laughs) so how did you choose mulligan for Mm -hmm. endless midnight You know, Mulligan was kind of the exception to how I normally build characters. I usually start with a very fleshed out backstory and then fit the mechanics to that. But with Mulligan, I've never played a fighter. I've always been some level of spellcaster and I wanted to step away from that. So I built him out as a fighter and that was sort of the foundational pillar for what I wanted to do with him. I then thought, okay, how would a fighter integrate into the setting that James has built, which is how he then became a scout for the team. And it just sort of dominoed from there into Mulligan bite grind as we know him. (laughs) Oh, is that Mulligan's last name? It is, but it's never come Uh up. No, it has not. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I think you've done just amazing with Mulligan. Like I, you know, I've played, um, I, I like I really like playing barbarians, mm. um, and that's because sometimes I find spellcasting overwhelming. Um, right. But then it can be like kind of stuck in one thing that you're doing, and I think the way to get um, kind of out of that is a lot of the role playing, um, which of course this game is is heavy on that. And you guys are just fantastic. I love listening to it all the time. Thanks, so. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I've got to give props to uh, Kristen and Steven in our the few combats that we've had like you said Mm -hmm. be kind of stale like a one-trick pony with some of the martial classes yeah but Kristen and steven using their spells to buff mulligan in different ways especially i won't throw out the result of what happened (laughs) in case anyone listens to this before the episode but in one fight mulligan was hasted and used his action surge and i got seven attacks off in one turn stop i don't think i've listened to that yet it was amazing it didn't end up amazing but it was amazing that that was how as long as you roll well right yeah that didn't you know we won't talk about it we won't talk talk about it it. (laughs) so um mulligan 
uh, is from the tooth. Um, and, um, I have not listened to all of episode four yet, which is out right now, but I, I did have to skip the last 30 minutes so far. Um, there's no particular, uh, biological family group for Mulligan there, right? Not anymore. anymore. He did have his mother there and she passed when he was younger. And the way the society is at the tooth is the clan steps in and becomes family when needed. Okay. So it's not even necessarily like a found family. It just, everybody is just there. Right. And and with people not really surviving nearly as long as you might expect with the atmosphere being out in the wasteland, it was just sort of a necessary part of society because- you know, kids were still too young to really fend for themselves in this environment when their parents were passing away at a relatively young age because right. of the the magical fallout, as it were. Man, that actually, um, one of the things I talked about, uh, I think, you know, in Alex's interview was how hopeful everybody is who lives in absolution mm. um, and how Mulligan's kind of less so, I would say. Um or uh, maybe if hopeful is not the right word, just a little more wary and not beaten down. But right. and that I guess definitely um, partially attested to the fact that he's from the tooth. Absolutely, he has that you know bred in him an immediate sense of apprehension and skepticism towards magic in general. Right. But coming to absolution was already such an improvement in a way of life to him that anything that could ever jeopardize that for whatever gain isn't something that he would be willing to risk because in his point of view, that improvement in the way of life has already been found and that's worth defending. Why risk it for anything? Right. Right. Have you, have you ever read um, the book for the wizard of Oz? I haven't. Oh, okay. Um, You may have heard this though, but uh Everybody wears glasses. They have to put on glasses when they're at Oz. Um, And it's because the glasses give the city that emerald color. I believe if I remember properly, it's been a long time, but you know, all that razzle dazzle and sparkles from these glasses. But I almost feel like absolution is, is like that you're coming up and you're getting these glasses on and you know, you can see differently and, uh, yeah, it's just kind of this beacon. That neon glow. Yeah, that neon glow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the question that I have asked everybody. All right. Um, which it's a little okay, I don't it's not no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh is is Mulligan interested in experiencing the sun for the first time? And if so, how? He absolutely is. Again, I don't, we won't give any spoilers, but there is a moment in his past that is referenced at some point in game where, you know, there, there are bits of literature and pictures from publications that survived the rupture. Right. So even people who were born after and have only grown up knowing this endless midnight right. can occasionally find a glimpse of what was before. I don't think it's too spoiler heavy to say that Mulligan did find something in his past that gave him that glimpse. And I think it definitely instilled in him a sort of sense of awe and curiosity, but I don't think he would ever have any 
real optimism about it being an actual possibility for him. Gotcha. As okay. much as he so, might like to. Yeah, probably not thought about it overly much and how to get there if it were to happen. None of that. Right. Gotcha. gotcha. Especially in the tooth where magic isn't even a consideration and it would right. take some sort of magical influence. Right. Some amazing feat. Right. So. All right. <laughs> that is actually all of my questions. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I had so many questions and we are already done. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You can ask me back anytime. I love it. Yeah. Well, is there anything you want to say about Mulligan or about D&D in general? Or I will say, you know, who knows when people will actually listen to this, if they will. But <laughs> the current moment in time is so fraught with uncertainty on all fronts, you know, from the pandemic from the activism against police brutality with the black lives matter. And I have noticed that especially the tabletop gaming community is really banding together so strongly to promote black creators in the face of what has been ongoing systemic oppression, yeah. even in the industry for so long. I really want to encourage people to, if you have any curiosity about the game, if it's, you know, an environment you want to immerse yourself in and get to know, reach out because there are so many people in this community willing to open those doors and to help you along. And uh, it's definitely been a huge improvement in my life. I love it. I've met my current roommates, most of my current friends in some capacity through D&D. And it's just an incredible open door that can bring so much opportunity. That just made my heart so happy. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's not just a game people enjoy playing it. You we really do become that community. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for joining me for the interview. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to disengaged. I'm producer Erica, and I hope to catch you next time.